Hello and welcome to another episode of the Kinetic Fitness Show. This is episode number five and I am Ali West, your host. Today we are going to be covering everything physiotherapy and our guest today is Catherine Peden from Arcadia Physiotherapy. She's based here in Nottingham, the same city as me, actually just around the corner from Kinetic Fitness. And Catherine helps people with a wide variety of injuries, pains, ailments, and also specializes in women's health and women's physiotherapy as well. We're going to be digging into what physiotherapy is all about, how it can help you, and some of the results she's got with her clients and with herself through using physiotherapy. Hope you enjoy today's episode and let's get started and get stuck into it. Hi, Hello. we're live here at Kinetic Fitness, Ali West, and we've got Catherine Peden with us from Arcadia Physiotherapy. So thanks for being here. No, my pleasure. So this video is going to double up as a podcast. So we will be asking questions that relate to the podcast and we're going to talk everything physiotherapy today and hopefully we can help you with some information that's going to help you to be healthier, live longer, be happier. All of the above. So let's get cracking. Firstly, Catherine, tell the listeners and the people watching a little bit about you and your backstory and tell us about Arcadia as well. Cool. So um, I run a physio clinic in the city centre in Nottingham called Arcadia Physiotherapy, but um, I came to physio quite late. Um, I've always been a bit interested in fitness, a bit interested in massage. I did a massage qualification about 10 years ago, but just kind of let it settle and you know that was a nice skill to have and I practiced on friends but didn't really take it anywhere and then I worked for the council in social care and health and I went into all these care homes and you're talking about like living a long happy life and I just looked at these rows of people day after day in my work just waiting for death and I just thought wow that is you know that there's got to be something better than that and then you hear about these other care homes that have little gardens and stuff or they do little walking trips and you obviously think that mobility nutrition camaraderie is all an important part of well-being now because we're young we're fit and all that I like to think I'm young um but you know what what changes what makes us get old and grey you know actually I think a lot of it is our attitude to fitness and the, the things we put in place at this time in our lives that coincided with me then getting a running injury for my first half marathon and I went to get some physio uh, having ignored it for six weeks as most of us do um and it was just magic like she did some acupuncture on me she explained exactly what had happened and why and understanding my problem was actually one of the biggest things going forward. And it really made me think, wow, this, this has made a difference to my life. How could I, you know, not, not that together with the older folk that I was watching every day and thinking, well, what, what difference could I make in my life? And what skills have I got that can help? And I thought, well, I've done the massage, what, what else could I do? So I looked into it, looked into studying at Nottingham. So I was 31 at the time, so I had, a, you know, I was a mature student, so I had to balance bills and mortgages and stuff. But it made it possible and um, then I went to study and then I set up Arcadia straight after that. Um, and it's really been a case, to an extent it's been a case of like, I'll give it a go, see what happens. But it's been a great success, you know, I'm three and a half years down the line now. And people are really happy with my work and, and it's such a great thing to see people like bounce back to health. And as you probably get with your work, the education you give them is stuff they, don't, they can't unlearn that. They've now got that knowledge for life that makes them make those good decisions about fitness and good decisions about health. And one little thing you say is potentially going to make a difference to their long-term health, health and lifestyle. Sure. So, so yeah. that gets me all excited. So. Brilliant. Yeah. That's great. 
explain then to the people listening and watching a little bit more about physiotherapy and what it is because it's a term that people might have heard and yeah. and it gets touted around but there'll be some people listening and be like well I've heard of the term physiotherapy and but I don't really know what it is so sure. can you explain a little bit more what physiotherapy is to start off with? So physio started in, in a sort of official capacity in the early 20th century as massage therapy for um, sort of prisoners of war and people who were injured in the war um, a series of women who worked and used not just massage therapy but manual therapy so getting limbs to start moving again, getting people walking again, all that kind of thing. So physiotherapy, physical therapy as it's called in America, is about movement. It's about getting people back to full functional movement and healthy optimum movement on ideal. Um, what that now encompasses is a lot more about a lot more other things. Obviously physios work with athletes to get them to the top of their game. Um, but it can also work with people who've had a stroke and can't sit to stand, you know, so there's a huge, huge range of it. So when you hear the word physio, you might be in hospital with um, a respiratory problem and you might have physio there. Okay. You might have a child who's lost a limb and so you have amputee physio. So there's lots of different vari variants of it. I'm a musculoskeletal physio, um, so that means muscles and bones, anything from a foot injury to tension headaches. I can deal with the muscles and bones and joints of that body. I also do women's health postnatal physio, so anything to do with the pelvic floor, I can do internal assessments, and I also work with menopausal ladies who are going through that physical change of life and how that, you know, the hormones affect their body, their energy to move, the way that they move, and manage that transition from a young person to an old person, and, and hopefully again change their beliefs around that. Yeah. So physio is physical therapy, be that hands-on massage release or muscle release, and encouraging people back to exercise and giving them exercise therapy to get them back to the gym or to put them on back onto that next stage of their life. Brilliant. So it covers a wide scope of different, yeah, it's, different it's things. Much wider than I thought it would be. You kind of think it's about sports and fitness, but really, you know, I see people who've had nerve pain, who've had, as I say, strokes, all that kind of stuff, hip replacements. So it's not all about the gym, but equally it's about empowering people to do whatever fitness activity they, they want to do. But it's a huge, huge range. Yeah. Let's talk about problems then. What are some of the, the common problems that you come across on a day-to-day -day basis with the clients and the people that you work with? What do you see time and time again as, as issues with people? So funnily enough, actually, we talked a lot about fitness. A lot of it's about desk posture. And there's a lot of controversy amongst the physio. Yeah, we're we're slouching, yeah. <laughs> I went on Knott's TV in um, their sort of news show in the evening once. So I was talking about posture again. And when I said that, the lady sat up and she'd been, not so slouched, but she'd been slouched enough that when she stood up, her head went off screen and they're all laughing behind the dark screen. So we all do it. I'm yeah. slouched here. It's fine. Um, but about educating people about what that has implications long term and why they're getting neck pain and back pain. Often it's because, yes, their posture is a bit kind of protracted here and that's like overloading here, but it's because they're not strong in their middle back and their pelvis is tilted so they're not in a good posture. So there's some really easy tips and tricks to put yourself in a better posture eight, ten hours a day where you, there's no denying you have to be at your desk, but to educate you to get in a better position and make the difference now that stops you bending, that stops those muscles getting lengthened and tired. Yeah. Uh, so that's one portion of people I see time and again. Then I get the weekend warriors who are doing, I've got a chap now who's doing the um, Great Wall of China Marathon in a month. Wow. So he just wants some top up, some education about a little bit of knee niggle that he's getting. And then you get people who've got really awful back pain, you've you know, bent down to pick something up and it's suddenly gone, who can be from 20 to 70, you know, any age. So it really is a bit of everything. Yeah. And then as I say, I do the women's health stuff. So that can be prenatal, so people who want to get sort of fit for pregnancy. 
postnatal women who have continence issues, bladder and bowel, um, abdominal separation, um, again, who want to go back to fitness, but also maybe want to recover from a traumatic birth or prepare for an ex-pregnancy to make sure that goes better. Um, so I do see a lot of different things. It keeps my head spinning quite a lot of the time. But yeah, I'm, I'm open to anyone who walks in my door because everything for me is fascinating. Everyone's got a good a body and, you know, I can apply my knowledge and help them understand theirs better. Great. You've mentioned then that some of the issues that you see and some of the people who spoke about various different areas. If you had to say there's like maybe two or three common areas on the body where you're seeing pain and discomfort with people, what would you say are those kind of two or three areas that you see regularly? Okay. So low back pain is probably the biggest one. Yeah, um, sure. We know that's a big <laughs> thing. But I find a lot that low back pain is to do with hip weakness or pelvic posture um, because the muscles of the muscles of up the gut spine all kind of converge and, um, and join at the pelvis, at the back of the pelvis, your sacrum and your iliac crest. So a lot of pain is there. All oh, people coming, oh, just above the buttock, just at the bottom of my back. Sometimes there's knots up into the ribs up here, yeah. but that muscle goes all the way down and attaches there. So if we release up here, then it can release that functional part of the pelvis. Um, but that can be for lots of reasons. It can be because of posture, it can be because of lifting. Um, it can sometimes be because you're just sitting. So people are sitting all day and their hips are at 90 degrees. That tightens up the hip flexors. So when they stand, they're a little bit sort of tilted forward at the, back, at the front and therefore their back tightens up. Yeah. So it's a really complex 3D area is what I see a lot of, um, which again makes my head scratch. But that's really, really common. And it, from all walks of life, it's not just people sit at a desk. It's people who are really active as well. Um, other things that happen, I see quite a lot of... Um, climbers I see, so a lot of arm and shoulder issues, usually yeah. from overuse um, and people who just want to get back on the wall. Like I really respect them and their determination is just incredible to me, but I always try and again educate them about what they're doing and how they can reach better or how they can grip better. Um, so yeah, hands and arms, but equally again I get that from desk people who get tennis elbow and stuff and educate them again about posture and the fact that lot tendonitis isn't the tendon that's the problem it's the muscle that is attached to the tendon so usually with achilles or FEM, lateral epicondylitis your tennis elbow i don't even touch the tendon if i release the muscle give them some self-release to do that disappears because the tendon's not hanging on like that anymore yeah you've taken the main tension away from the bulk of the belly of the muscle so again busting some myths about what tendonitis is things like um you know, no pain, no gain, that's a bit of a myth as well. And yeah. we want people to nurture their bodies. We want them to push themselves, but not to the point where their nervous system is hyper-reactive and they're stressed out and defending them, themselves from their own activities. So I sort of get people foam rolling and they're like, yeah, well, I'll do this for 20 minutes each night and it's agony, but I'll do it. And you're like, well, if you're using the word agony, that you're not doing it right. It needs yeah. to be methodical, it needs to be thorough, and it needs probably will be uncomfortable, but not to the point where you're kind of bracing away from it. Yeah. And so again, because then you're going on to getting the mind and the brain and the neurological system involved, and yeah, you're going to have yeah. probably some more problems that than, yeah. than better. So well, to speak. Of, yeah, well, there's a lot of um, research going on around massage. Again, within the physio field, there's loads of discussions and different sides of the argument. But there's a new theory to say that actually doing massage doesn't make any difference to the muscles themselves. You, we physically cannot stretch or you know, manoeuvre the muscles. I don't agree with that entirely, but the theory is, is that actually what we're doing is affecting the brain and the nervous yeah. system. And it's the brain that goes, okay, I feel safe, I feel relaxed, I trust this person's hands. The brain is now going to allow that muscle to relax. Yeah. And whichever way is the truth, 
those things, the key things about safety, understanding and trust have to be in there. And if you have got this mentality of, oh, my blooming leg, it's letting me down again, just want to push myself to do this impossible task, how is that going to mess up your brain and your self-talk about yeah. your body? So all these things I try and put into little, uh, every session just to get people being kinder to themselves as well as pushing themselves to their goals. Yeah, brilliant. That sounds really good. Going after more of the deep lying issue rather than just focusing on the symptoms that they, yeah. they might have. It's not just about weights and reps, but if that's their goal, we respect that. But getting for people to think, well, why are you pushing yourself so hard? Is that truly your goal to feel knackered? Um, you know, look after yourself a bit better. Brilliant. Right, you talked about a few myths and maybe misconceptions that people have. What would you say are some of the common misconceptions about physiotherapy? Because I've heard stuff like mm. talked about and maybe other practitioners and other people in health and fitness speak mm. about physios and maybe not always in a good light. Mm. What would you say are some of the common misconceptions that maybe aren't necessarily true about physio? Well, one of the first ones I was really surprised when I first started physio school, we did this little session that said, you know, what are our perceptions about physio? And I kind of thought, they're great, they fixed my leg when I was running. But actually one of the perceptions was that physios are bullies and they'll be like, get down, give me a hundred and it's punishing exercise. Same as personal so, trainers. I know, exactly. <laughs> That's not fair. That's not true. <laughs> so um, that was one that surprised me. Now when I'm massaging somebody and someone goes, oh, that really hurts, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, and I'm not that casual, but it does make me think, actually, I've always got to check myself and always put myself in that patient position. Um, so I genuinely try to do that. And, but I'm not, I don't know whether other physios do. That might be a true perception in some fields that physios are there to kind of beast you. Certainly not my ethos. And I think increasingly, as we learn to say about the nervous system, we've got to think in that holistic way. Um, so it may have been in the past where physios are seen in the sort of 118 tracksuits and stuff and, and on a par with personal trainers, you know, that kind of at the gym pushing for physical fitness. But I like to think we're much more holistic now and looking at the whole body, not just that muscle there that's torn or injured. Uh, other myths might be that we're just massage therapists. Yeah. That, does a, that gets a lot of goats actually because Chris Evans on The Breakfast Show often says, oh, we've got a physio and they do massage. And we're like, well, we do so much more than that. Um, we were talking earlier, weren't we, about sort of neuromuscular education. So it's not just about moving and moving repetitively. It's about moving with good integrity, good balance, uh, and that sort of 3D perspective on it. So it's not just massage, although I really do think that massage and myofascial release is an important aspect of what I do. Again, to calm the body, to get it to trust my hands and to trust my authority on it, uh, but also to settle the nervous system and let it accept changes. Because if you're always resistant and you're always sort of fighting this injury, for example, then you're not going to be able to um, overcome it. You've got to lay the ground, foot, ground flat, get everything in working order, so release the muscles, align that tension a little bit better, and then you can retrain for better movement, better strength. Good, good stuff. Right, that's enough about kind of the problems and the, the myths and the misconceptions. Let's talk a little bit more then about solution and how we can help people to, to move better, feel better, get out of pain, prevent injury, prehab if you want to call it that, how is using a physio, or why would you use a physio, like what, how is it going to help that individual, how is it going to solve the solution that you've had, because you spoke about backs, necks, yeah. knees, uh, posture, why, why, why come to see Catherine, why go to Arcadia, or why use a physio? Okay, so there's lots of people I see come in after say three, four, five, 12 months and say I just thought I'd, it would go away 
and the body does have an amazing capacity to heal itself. But equally, if there's a problem, and it's just kind of come on gradually, there's a reason that problem's arisen. Uh, that may be through overuse, through poor movement strategies, through stress. Um, and so what physios can do is to unpick that from the root cause. A really simple example that's just musculoskeletal is an Achilles tendonitis. I don't think I've treated one Achilles where I've actually done anything to the tendon. Yeah. I've gone up the chain, so the back of the, back of the leg, here's your Achilles, up your calf, hamstring, glutes, back, opposite shoulder. What is the weak point along that posterior chain of the body that's making that poor little Achilles do loads more work than it should? Yeah. And usually, I mean, the majority of cases, it's the glutes. And some people just can squeeze one butt cheek and they can squeeze it bam like that. The other one just doesn't do as it should and invariably that's the leg that's got the problem. So we look for the root cause. We don't just go ice that Achilles, put your foot up and then start running again next week. We break it down, find that initial cause and then work out the solution for that. So not just squats, but specific squats for that specific glute muscle of which there are four or five. So making sure that we've got it targeted. So we're not wasting the time to be honest. Um, so people come to me for stuff they've long held, stuff they've just done to themselves. Um, I've had a few people say, could I come for like a monthly checkup? And we would love that as physios because we brush our teeth every day, don't we? But and why don't we do that with stretching our muscles or exercising our muscles Very and just true. regenerating ourselves in a healthy way? Um, we give other stuff like, I mean, every, every bit of research that's coming out these days says that exercise and good sleep and good nutrition absolutely wipes the floor with medication, bed rest, immobility. We're just animals, we're made to move and we're made to breathe the fresh air, you know, we're made to eat the stuff that grows in the ground. That, we're part of the environment and I absolutely love that, I'm really passionate about it. So if I, again, if I can key the clients into that and get them enjoying their own life in a full way, that's what physios can really inject, that enthusiasm into you looking after yourself and living your life well, on top of the injury assessment analysis and programme treatment that we can give. Would you say, sorry to interrupt, but yeah. would you say then that that's maybe the difference between an average or physio and maybe a good or a better, a high level of physio is that kind of holistic approach and going after the root cause? Because no disrespect to maybe the National Health Service, but I know people that have gone to see a physio on the NHS mm -hmm. and they've said exactly what you said Not earlier, <laughs> um, I sit, stick it up in the air. Yeah see you later kind of thing yeah. so can we just talk about that for a second sure, like sure. why 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 is this so much polar opposite is mm. it just they're doing what they're told or is it they're not as qualified as you or as good as you I, I don't want to disrespect other practitioners or say anything bad about them but I know people that have mm. experienced that kind of service where they just push to the side so to speak yeah it's a really difficult situation the NHS is in obviously I get a lovely hour with my clients and I design my business that way they might get 20 minutes or half an hour at most. So they're in a limited time scale and I totally appreciate how hard that is. The NHS also is obviously funded by the government and by us and they need to be purely evidence-based. And of course, I want to be evidence-based. However, as you probably know, and as a kind of quick summary of research, research is very good at answering a very specific question, but that isn't easily translatable to another patient or another situation. Just as a really quick example, so an ACL, uh, research paper might have said this particular rehab is great for uh, athletes between 20 and 25 who are male and are, you know in American colleges how does that translate, translate across to a middle-aged lady in her 50s who uh, you know wants to do the London to Paris bike ride for the first time in her life you know yes okay and we would say well they're both people they both got the same kind of knees 
But if I'm going to be purely evidence-based, then actually the research limits exactly what I can do. So you understand the NHS physios have to go, right, we really need to focus on what's evidence-based, but that limits their treatment options. Yeah, yeah. They've also absolutely cram-packed for the people. There's, I think, a 16-week waiting list in some areas. Wow. That's, that's a chronic injury before you even get to the physio. Yeah. Um, so they are very limited. Also, with referrals, if you have a knee problem, that's the knee we treat. And they don't have the time or the referral to look at where does that knee come from? Is it the foot posture or is it the lower back pain? Yeah. And see that connection. So Going off that then, I reckon, to put it in a nutshell, is they're working off a very rigid framework, whereas you can like pick from all different areas of that framework. Because we've all got our own way of working, so you'll have a set methodology, as I do with, with my clients. But I guess the difference with us and maybe other physios trainers or people maybe that work on the NHS is they're very rigid with what they can do whereas we can go from a whole different angle and different spectrum would you would you agree yeah absolutely and I've I've that's the reason I went to work for myself is because to have that true luxury of choosing my direction and feeling you know going following my instinct about what's right what's wrong trying stuff out you know not to the detriment of my clients but learning every day as I go and the NHS folk just don't have time for that. They're not given that time. They're given support, and you know, every couple of weeks they get sort of an hour of CPD or whatever. But I think we're really lucky to, well, bless and curse to follow our own destiny. It's incredibly hard. And I know your head's probably just stuffed up full by the end of the yeah. day. But it means <laughs> that we love what we do and we're passionate and we get good results. So, yeah, I mean, not every private physio works the same as me because, again, I work for myself. I don't have a boss or I don't have a team to look after. So yeah. there's pros and cons of that. Um, but certainly if you've tried the NHS and some people walk away you don't hear about that that's the thing some people do get much better from the NHS well I, I had an amazing experience yeah. on NHS just for just for the record and just for the, yeah. for, the, for the listeners and the watchers I taught my ACL when I was 19 yeah. and I was very blessed so to speak that I got a, a very great physio she helped me all the way through my rehab I, well it was meant to be 12 months of rehab but I did 11 uh, so I got out of hospital early, so to speak, yeah, yeah. and she was brilliant. So I, I, in, by no means am I knocking the NHS. I'm just trying to see the angles sure. of what makes makes you different to them, and so, yeah. so on and so forth. Yeah, so I think it's those pressures on time and you know those freedoms that I have. I try and max those out for the benefit of the patient, really. Perfect. Right, that's the why why we'd use you, yeah. and why yeah. the listeners would use you. Let's talk about some of the benefits. Mm-hmm. So let's say I do come and do one session with you, 5, 10, 12, 15 sessions with you. What kind of benefits am I going to notice, maybe short, medium and long term, from having physiotherapy? Okay, well it depends on your problem, uh, but short term we're going to fix your problem, uh, your initial kind of presenting issue. If I'm not seeing significant improvements, not necessarily resolution because it depends on the problem, within sort of three sessions I'm going to be starting to rethink what I'm doing, checking that I'm getting the right thing, that we're on the right track and I'm always consulting with you. So you're a partner in your own healthcare, it's not just a case of, you know, I'll just do stuff to you, Um, it's about working together and so you're empowered to look after your own health. What I try and do, and my husband says I've got a terrible business plan, is to give people those tools that when, if they have say neck pain, and we solve that, but then you know they have to work, or they have to go and do this stuff that loads up their neck. I give them tools so as soon as it comes on, they're sitting at home and they've got three or four things they know what to do to help themselves as they go forward. And those I like to think of as lifetime skills. Even little things like, should I ice it or should I heat it? If I educate them about when's appropriate to do what, they've yeah. got that for life. They've got that for their partners, for their I, kids. I love that. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, That's yeah. brilliant because I think a lot of people become reliant on their practitioner, so to speak. So yeah. they're... They're like, oh no, I'm in pain, I've got to go and see my chiropractor or 
um, I've maybe put a bit of weight on, I've got to see my personal trainer. Whereas if we're educating them as mm. practitioners, as therapists, trainers, whatever, coaches, mm. then we're empowering people, aren't we, to, to, to go and help themselves rather than being reliant on that person. And, and there's no, I think it's great to have a coach and have a practitioner that you see regularly, but what you don't want to do is become reliant on that. Yeah, and the practice. research backs that up because in terms of mental health, which is a huge thing, and we all know it's a really important part of fitness and health, you know, self-efficacy and self-control of your situation is a huge bonus for mental health and wellness. So if you're becoming reliant on a practitioner, actually, you're becoming dependent on them. And dependency is not a way for your mental and physical health to grow. Yes, of course, you want to have a collaboration and, and some things only I can do to my patient. They can't massage their own back or do acupuncture themselves. But it's got to be teamwork. And I think that hopefully that ethos is something that I give to those, those clients they can go and achieve their goals and I'm always there if they need me but not to build that dependency at all um, and I think that's really really important um, so that's you know, solve the problem get them thinking better and also you know just little weird things really cool stuff I had this uh, policeman guy come to me years ago and he'd been moved in his job to really really sedentary job and he had really bad sciatica really bad back pain we got that better and he was you know cycling with his son and he hadn't been able to do that for years because he was just so stiff and in pain. And he came, last time I saw him, he said he was retraining to be an electrician because he wanted a job where he moved more. And so I was like, wow, just from a few sessions, we've solved your back pain and we've changed your life direction and given you a better relationship with your son. Can't argue yeah. that, can <laughs> I'm not That's taking perfect. personal credit. He's done that, but I've been that little facilitator to open that little door for him. And that's all people think, need yeah. sometimes, isn't it? Just See, I can, bit. I can try, I can do it. So that's super rewarding, I love it. Brilliant. Many benefits then, yeah, mind, loads, body, yeah. Yeah. spirit, so to say, speak. Some people just come for a session and just give them that peace of mind that it's not a disc prolapse, it's not going to be arthritis like their parents were doomed to have, you know. A lot of what I do is reassuring people what the problem isn't. I can t tell them quite comfortably, you know, it's not a nerve problem, it's not a disc problem, I can, I can rule out lots of stuff and that reassur reassurance is a huge part of what I do as well. Brilliant, love that. How does physio then differ to other elements of, uh, of therapy, so to speak? So people might have a problem. Let's, you've spoken a lot about lower back. Let's talk about lower back. Mm -hmm. So someone might have a lower back problem and they might be like, oh, right, do I see a chiropractor? Do I see an osteo? Do I see a personal trainer? Do I see a physio? How does a physio differ to those other ones that I've just spoke about? And why would they go? And, well, we spoke about why they choose you. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about how they differ. What's the difference between those different okay, so practitioners? They're a bit like a Venn diagram, you know, the circles that kind of overlap, osteopath, chiropractor and physio. The main difference is, is the, the background and the theories that they come from. So a chiropractor typically is American originating, not the person, but the theories. Um, and it's that the spine is in alignment uh, and all the nerves come out from the spine, as we know anatomically they do. And any problem in your limbs or in your neck and head or whatever are a result of malalignment in the spine. Yeah. Uh, they would then manipulate, manipulate them, um, realign and get people back into line, put things back into joint. Physios have a bit of an issue with that because, you know, things don't just, if, you, if your shoulder pops out of joint, oh my God, you know it, you know, that's excruciating pain, you know, hip dislocations, that's what we call bringing out of joint. Um, so the, the language that chiropractors use is often a bit inflammatory and a bit catastrophizing. Um, people say, oh, my pelvis is out. And you think, whoa, you know, it's not. You can get out of bed, you can go up and down the stairs. You may have some muscular, muscular tension. So, yeah, the, the 
I don't necessarily agree with the, the, the language they use. However, that changes as, as their customers change as well. Um, and they also have lots of skills. They do do massage therapy, they do do acupuncture as well. So there's a lot of overlap with physio. Same with osteopathy. They're doing much less of the cracking the joints, to be honest, although some do, and that works for some people. The evidence of cracking joints shows that actually it produces a, a very small endorphin effect in a local area, and that has gone after 20 minutes. So if you're spending 50 quid an hour just to get your back cracked, then you are wasting your money. Good osteos these days, and there are some good ones about, will talk about movement exercises, they will talk about self-care, and they will do other stuff other than just cracking bones and realignment. Mm. The other thing um, I think that sets physio apart mostly is that we do that exercise rehab. In fact, I might have a session where someone comes in that all we do is exercise rehab. It's not always just get down and have a massage. It depends on the patient. Um, and physios tend to have an hour session to begin with in private practice at least, whereas chiropractors typically do very short, very expensive sessions and commit you to a six to eight week programme. Some physios say you'll need 10 sessions for that. I tend to go, well, who am I to say how fast you're going to recover? Yeah. I know, yeah, six to eight weeks for the average tissue recovery, but that depends on the injury. So as I say, if I do three sessions, I want to see some significant change and then we'll start to spread out. I wouldn't ever say you need to pay for 10 sessions up front because that's not ethical, I don't think. Right, so there's yeah. different business models between osteopaths, chiropractors and physios. And the main difference, if you just want to put a list down on paper, is that physios do the exercise therapy and empower people to do stuff at home as well. Got you. That's cleared that up for a lot go. of people. <laughs> uh, tell us about your process. What does your process look like? So if someone comes in, never met you before, talk us through the process from, from them walking through your door to the very first time to making them better, so to speak. Cool. So they always get, hopefully like a hot drink or something so we can chill out and have a chat. Everyone loves a hot drink. Yeah, of course. Um, and that sometimes, especially with my women's health patients, gives them something to hide behind. Because we talk about embarrassing stuff and personal stuff. So just making that environment nice and calm and quiet and peaceful for them so they feel safe. We'll do the subjective take, history taking, which is basically a chat. How did your injury start? What makes it better? What makes it worse? How do you feel about it? What are your goals? like? Yeah, apart from getting rid of pain, what do you then want to go on and achieve? So getting yeah, their perspective and everything, yeah. And then looking a little bit of background history, you know, if they had this before, have they had, you know, if it's a back pain, have they, have they twisted their ankle repeatedly and how's that affecting them? Um, and any relevant medical history, any operations, accidents, illnesses, um, and any relevant uh, family history, you know, if it is kind of a hormone-based problem potentially or it's a post-breast cancer, um, client, then I'll ask a little bit more about their hormones, where they are in their life stage and stuff like that. Then we'll get them up, get them into the shorts or whatever, depending on the problem, and get them to move, get them to go on their toes, get them to squat. So an assessment? Yeah, do a yeah. physical assessment. So I do that in standing or in moving. I might take a little video if, um, say for example, they're a runner, um, and I can't get them running for two miles before they come and see me, but it, their problem might come on in two miles. So I might get them doing single leg hops just to see how their body copes with that landing and loading. So it's not a perfect replica, but you get an idea of what's happening. Is their balance terrible on one side? Is their hip dropping on the other? So you can do a quick assessment then. Yeah. It might be that I, in a further session, we might go outside and do a bit of a running assessment with a video, um, but it depends on the patient. And then finally, I'll get them onto the bed, do nerve tests, like tension tests, see what nerves are up to, um, see what their muscles feel like when they're at rest. Because as you know, muscles can be um, super tight even when people are resting, or they can be nice and relaxed when they're resting. So why does it hurt when they're sleeping? You know, I, all these questions I need to answer as I go through the process. 
I'll do lots of little tests and um, challenge their core strength, for example, challenge their balance and just see where their threshold is and what's contributing to that problem. Um, and then I hopefully explain it to them clearly. And then we work out a programme of usually two to three things to take home with them to do. Homework. homework Love homework. Yeah. Usually a bit of release. I have tennis ball as my best friend and then a couple of targeted strengthening exercises or rehab movement exercises. Um, and then I'll do a bit of manual therapy if that, if that works for them. Often, again, with back pain, I'll do some acupuncture because I think that's amazing. Um, really great, again, in both into the nervous system to calm that down and release those endorphins, but also releasing tension within the muscle. Often it's been held there for years. Yeah. Then we'll do, at the end, we'll do a chat. Do you understand everything? I've got some YouTube videos that I often send to people and say, you know, is this, uh, this is your exercise. You've got me in front of you in your living room so the technique doesn't fall through the, through the slats. Um, and then we book another appointment that's suitable for them. I usually follow up in sort of 10 days, two weeks, just to give them time to get into the routine because a new routine is always difficult but also if they go off on a weird tangent with their exercise I can kind of rein them back in yeah. before they waste a month doing the wrong thing and that's you yeah that's the hour session to begin with and then my follow-ups usually half an hour if someone comes in and goes oh I've got a knee problem could you just look at this or I'm getting better at saying actually I can't cram two things into one half hour we're gonna have to have an hour but it depends yeah. on the person so and then beyond that let's say someone's got something that you can't solve maybe in three or four sessions mm -hmm. but is the process the same every session like does it will it will it always look like what you've just mentioned or will things change but how does it differ if someone's got more of a long-term thing going on to maybe okay. a short term well mo yeah mostly the basic format will be similar yeah. simply for structure because i need to catch up the subjective what's happened since the last session Objective, let me just retest what's happening with that pelvic joint and just see if that's the same as it was or if it's maintained its improvement. Um, and then we'll, yeah, then we'll decide based on the subjective and objective what the rest of the session is. As I say, it might be that we just mix it up and say, right, let's go outside, let's see what, we, what happens to this in a different context or in a more challenging context and we'll ramp it up. Yeah. Or it might be that we have to take a step back. You know, I had a chap who had loads of sort of running pain, got loads and loads better, and then he went snowboarding and fell over and jarred his oh, hip great. again. So we might, we might have to sit back a little bit and build it back up again. Yeah. Um, so it really depends, but usually that same structure is better, it's the same, sorry, because it makes sense to me in my clinical notes and being professional about it. And it makes sense because they know what to expect. There's no kind of crazy surprises like, we're gonna get into shorts today, and you know, they might not be ready for that. Yeah, so yeah, we'll get yeah. them prepared for like what's gonna happen the next session. Yeah, that's great. What I love about your process is, that you don't just maybe stick to one kind of method or one mm. element of physiotherapy. You're bringing in different angles and different environments and different techniques. Mm. And I think that's brilliant because you get a lot of uh, therapists maybe and everything's on the couch and mm. that's all good and well and you can get some great results like working with them on the couch, but you're going to get even better results if you move them off of the couch as well and yeah. do elements of strength training, balance, as you said, coordination indoor outdoor i just love that so i think that's yeah. great i think the more tools you can use the mm. the better and it's the same with me as well when i'm trying to help someone i won't just stick to one mm. tool as long as i like what you said earlier as well as long as it's safe as long as it gets the result mm. perfect who are we to say whether it's right or wrong or not yeah. as long as it's getting that and i think that goals result. are important as well Massive, because, um, yeah. you know i think of physio to an extent if we think about physio in the sort of sports field as kind of prehab for the gym I don't want people, I often get people who do squats, for example, and they go down and they think they're doing a squat, but actually they're just sticking that hip out a little bit. And if they then go and load up with 50, 60 kilos, yeah, what's yeah, that yeah. going to do to their hip, their knee? And it's not that their hip and their knee are rubbish, it's that they've got that slight twist in the movement pattern that they wouldn't see. It's my job to observe that, to get them lined up, and then they can go to the gym. 
But equally, their goal might not be the gym. It might be to pick up their grandchildren. And so I can talk to them about how to breathe when you're lifting a heavy weight and how to go maybe for a split stance when you're picking up a child so you can transfer your load. So it is putting yourself in those shoes and saying, it's not about lifting weights for them, it's about connecting with their family. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the motivation, just, yeah. so to speak. It's yeah, the absolutely. Motivation. Yeah. And that's what gets people doing their rehab, not forgetting about it when they get better, you know? Brilliant. Let's go back to the very start of this interview then, start of this podcast, when you spoke about how physio has helped you personally. Mm -hmm. Talk more about that, like how has is, how is it benefited you having physiotherapy? What results have you received? Do you still have physio now? Mm -hmm. Would you use it again on yourself personally? That's terrible, I'm going to use it. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, I do, I do. So my first physio was that running injury uh, that I had, and that was brilliant. Um, I've obviously connected with lots of physios. When I was looking into becoming a physio, um, I shadowed a lot of physios. Um, one of them was an amazing inspiration, a guy called Brody works at the Nottingham Sports Injury Clinic and uh, I remember the moment I decided I wanted to be a physio was he was treating somebody who had hand pain, like nerve pain in his hand and he was a, a labourer like, and he worked with his hands and he couldn't go to work and so there's all that other stuff in his life. I can't work, I can't earn money, I'm in pain. All those yeah. things, his poor old brain was going, ah! So Brody sorted it out by doing something in his neck and uh, he fiddled with his neck, pain went from his hand after six weeks of hand pain and suddenly it was all around his elbow. Brody did it again, all around his shoulder, did it again, all pain gone. And this guy looked, turned around to Brody and goes, are you a witch doctor? <laughs> and that was the moment I was like, yes, I want to do that. And so, yeah, I do sort of practice what I preach. I do do therapy on myself. I've got a friend who runs KH Physio in Kimberley and we've studied together. So we see each other pretty much once a week. We talk over cases, we give each other treatment. If we've learned something on a course, we'll practice it on each other and stuff. So there's a lot of informal CPD that we do together um, yeah and if I'm a I've had a, I've had a bit of physio for running problems that I've had scratched a few other people's heads because it was a bit of a weird one but uh, yeah I'll always I'll always go to people who I know can help me and I can't see myself I can't see my own back and my own problem so I'd always recommend it and sooner rather than later you know as I say loads of people come in after years and years of suffering whereas actually I often get the feedback oh if I'd only known I would be fixed or much better in three sessions. I yeah. would have done it ages ago. So that's maybe a take-home message for sort of listeners and viewers. Why do you, you think that is? Why do you think people have that that experience? Like, oh, if only I'd known, or mm. I should have done this ages ago. What's the reasoning behind that? Why do you think that happens? It's. I think it's a big question, really. It's a bigger picture of society, really. Yeah. Uh, that whole like, you know, everyone before. Do you think we've become? accustomed to pain do you think we're rather than that pain being like oh i should ah i shouldn't be in pain it's like oh yeah pain's just a part of my life i think that's a there's problem an of that. i think there's an element of that and i think it's about age i get people in their early 20s saying i'm just getting old and i want to have a big so thing on my wall saying yeah it's mad because you see people in the 90s who have no pain but i think society kind of gives you that fearfulness about yourself there's all these products you know to help you sleep better and to help you your skin look better and you're like actually you're good as you are you know if you put yourself first and look after that sleep fitness movement that will be okay and i think that society puts a bit of fear in us to say oh and you're getting a bit old and you know this kind of threatening media that we have at the moment it's all it's all doom really and i think there's so much capacity in the human body but we don't recognize that in ourselves and i think certainly when you start to have families or staff or partners or whatever it's very hard to put yourself first and selfish is a bad word 
but really self-care should be the first thing on our list but it's always the last we spoke about that on the last two podcasts looking after yourself is is kicked yeah you only get one one body you only get one of this and it's not getting old (laughs) look after it look after it so how old are you Ali? I am 30 yeah Yeah, no, no, you're 31. 31 soon. Yeah. And 31 I'm, I'm 37, right? Yeah. Nobody tells me I look 37. And yeah. I don't live a particularly great lifestyle, but I do. I am mindful of when I'm not looking after myself. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, you know, a lot of it's in the genes and that's great, but it's about that positive attitude towards self-care. Sure. And yeah. I know I bang on about it. Self-care, self-care, self-care. Whatever that means to you. Uh, but some people don't even know what it means to them. They've yeah. never written a list of like, what do I actually like doing? What actually do make me, makes me feel good? And yeah. often it stops at the wine and doesn't make them think, actually, why do I feel like I need a glass of wine to relax? Actually, would I feel better by going to bed early and reading a book or seeing that old friend or yeah, getting, yeah, yeah. getting outdoors? You know? yeah. There's a bit of a, a barrier there, I think, mentally more than anything, I think is the reason Definitely. why. If you want to learn more about that, listen to the last two podcasts and you'll <laughs> get all the information you need. Brilliant. But I, I think I've got most of the stuff I want to get. And we could have gone on for a lot longer, obviously. And we could do it again. We can go yeah, into yeah, maybe more of on. a... This has been quite a general talk and general yeah. chat about physiotherapy and, and like enlightening people a little bit more about what it's all about. And we can maybe do another one where we go into more of a specific issue. Mm-hmm. Just to wrap up then, where can the listeners and the guys watching go to find out more about you and get more information about how you can help people? Cool, thank you. Um, well, okay, so I've got a website which is arcadia-therapy.com. I've got a YouTube channel under Arcadia Physiotherapy where there's a load of different videos, uh, both educational ones and also specific exercises like single leg squats and whatever. Um, I've got a podcast called the 3D Woman Podcast. That's with Pamela Windle of Smarter Change. She's a hormone therapist and specialist, women's coaching specialist. Uh, what else do I do? I've got blogs on my website. Um, you got Facebook, Instagram. Facebook, yeah. I'm not on Instagram okay, yet, Facebook. but I'm on Twitter. So Facebook, Arcadia Physiotherapy. Uh, Twitter, at Arcadia Therapy. Uh, and I'm based in Nottingham City Centre with the lovely Alley West. Um, I'm a few few streets away in the Lace Market on Stony Street. So um, do look me up. And if you have a problem, don't hold back. You know, it'd be lovely to meet you and to help mm-hmm. you sort your problem out. Brilliant. Stop training in pain and yeah, look yeah. after yourself. And then I can funnel you back to Alley for That's the rest it. of the That's it. We all work together. Yeah. So network is my net worth. That's the, ah, that's the quote. <laughs> um... I hope you prep for this because we're going to finish with a favourite quote. Oh, okay. So you give me a quote, maybe something you stand for or maybe something that motivates you, inspires you, like a quote to live by and that's the way we always finish the Kinetic Fitness Show podcast. That's it for episode five of the Kinetic Fitness Show. Really enjoyed speaking with Catherine today and she shared some brilliant insights into physiotherapy and how it can help you. As always... If you need more help, if you need more information on anything health and well-being related, don't hesitate to get in touch with us. You can email us directly, info, I-N-F-O, at kinetic, K-I-N-E-T-I-K, fitness.co.uk. And also follow us on the Instagram and Facebook. The handle is at kinetic, N-O-T-T-M, that's K-I-N-E-T-I-K, N-O-T-T-M. Another successful show and I look forward to speaking to you again next week on another episode of the Kinetic Fitness Show.